Great. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? It's fantastic to see you all. And uh, how many of you enjoyed our time together thus far? It's been a phenomenal time, and we're super grateful that you guys have been part of it. And I do want to just thank Anthem Church for hosting us these wonderful days. We really do appreciate it. It has been a fantastic time, and they've just kind of made their venue available, and people have worked so hard to make this happen, and no cost, and we do want to say thank you. It's a real, real blessing. Thank you for your partnership. Uh, thank you to all you guys who've come from wherever you've come from. Thank you to everyone who's been doing whatever you're doing behind the scenes and on the stage, and we're just really grateful. We know this cannot be done without all the stuff you guys are doing, so thank you. I really want to say it's... We don't even know what you've done, but we know without you it couldn't have been done. And so thank you. Let's just give everyone a, a cheer for that. Thank you. And uh, it's just so wonderful to be able to come and be together again. I'm so delighted by the, what God has said. I really am and challenged. I'm so grateful for this team that I am privileged to lead. And I love the diversity of gifting, but the oneness of the message. And uh, I do want to honor this team. I was telling someone yesterday, and they found it very hard to believe, but no one arrives here knowing they preach. Most conferences, you get to know who's preaching where and what, and they know their session. We just tell the team, everybody come ready for whatever God wants to do. And some find out on the day they're preaching, others don't. And you must think that's crazy, and it is crazy, but it's awesome because it keeps everyone on their toes. Let me tell you, when you know you're preaching, you're going to be on your toes. So if you don't know you're not preaching, you're going to be on your toes right through the whole session. And that's a good thing. But I loved how people are ready to step up who are not ready. It's just whatever God wants to do. And I want to honor that. There's no jiving and trying to be or just what does God want. And sometimes we do it and sometimes we miss it. But our hearts are silly not to be so structured that we get our thing and miss his thing. We just want what God wants for us. And uh, so I do want to just commend this great team that I'm privileged to lead who are here this, today and who've come from wherever they are. And also you guys have come from wherever you've come. I know the Detroit crew, you've got wonderful people here. I know there's some guys from North Carolina, which is wonderful. Guys from Colorado, come on. Uh, I'm trying to think. Where, uh, Columbus, Ohio, that's right. Where are you guys? Wonderful. De Detroit, we did say that. Just, yeah. All the way from Chicago, I believe, some people. And anyway, we are so glad to be together. And uh, I'm well aware that we all have different upbringings, different history. Uh, I'm so aware of those things. And that's why I'm so grateful that we have the Word of God we can go to and say, okay, what does God say, not what have we been taught? And I want you to know that any preacher worth their salt knows that what they're sharing is that God's speaking to them too, not just speaking through them. So if you're offended by what I say, I'm offended by what I'm saying too. And if I'm saying what God's saying, then God's offending me as He's offending you, so don't be mad at me. Hello? It's, it's a mirror. And so the challenge you might feel from what God says, I feel the same challenge, but I've got to be true to what God says, otherwise we just go back to what we're about. With all due respect, those days are done. And I don't want to be part of what we're about. I want to be part of what he's about. And I think the season we've all gone through has been difficult, but it's been so satisfying in the a call of God to bring us back to the things that really matter. And they're not all new. They're mostly things we did know, but we kind of got busy with other stuff. And God in his wonderful grace and mercy 
And that's all I can say. It is grace and mercy that He brought us back to the things that matter. As we said, this side of eternity, when we can adjust it, fix it, and get back to what matters, rather than give our lives to something only to find out in heaven one day, yes, we'll get there, but the stuff we gave ourselves to didn't really matter when it comes to eternity. And so I hope you're there, and I hope you're trusting, and I hope you're believing, and you're with me in Scripture. And and as I read the Bible, I love to read the Bible. I've been blessed that I, I grew up in a household. My dad was a man of truth, is a man of truth. He, he has fought systems and structures. He's forced, fought religion, not against it, but just where's this in the Bible? My dad was born into an, uh, saved into an incredibly religious denomination, and he knew nothing else. He got saved. He met my mother, and he liked her, and her father was a pastor or in a very legalistic denomination. And he said, if you want to date my daughter, you have to come to church. So he went, never been to church. And he got saved by some boring preacher who preached the gospel and he got saved. Didn't know what he was responding to, but God saved him from alcohol and from all this stuff. And, and, and he got saved into that church and he joined that church and he sat in the front row and he wanted to learn. And he got taught all this stuff, good stuff, but some not so good. And I'm not even challenging the heart of these people because many people have good hearts. They just don't know. They're just pa- passing on what they've been taught. And, and so he took it and he passed it on and we had all this legalism. But in his heart, he knew there was something wrong. And so it was a mix of culture and it was a mix of man's structures and systems, but there was something of the Word. And he had something for the Word. He had a heart to read the Bible and go and see what it says. And we were part of this denomination that was anti the Holy Spirit stuff. And, and I'm saying this because maybe some of you in this room this morning have been taught some of this. And I'm not asking you to get mad at what you've grown up in. I'm asking us to come back to what God actually said. We're not judging the people who've taught us. I believe, I'm dumb enough to believe that most people have good hearts. But sometimes they're wrong in their theology. Hello. And so am I wrong at times in my theology. That's why we got to go to the Word of God. And so he was reading Scripture, and he was taught that tongues is of the devil, and you might have been taught that. I'm just going to tell you it's not of the devil. Some of the tongues we see today clearly is from the devil, but let me just say, Scripture is very clear. Tongues is from God. It's a heavenly language. Very quiet. That's cool. You're going to get even quieter as we go forward. And so he was wearing dog collars, is what he called it, you know, like uh, dog collars, whatever they are, those, and Batman and Robin outfits, he called them. I'm not mocking, that's what he was a part of, being called reverent and all these truths and all these things that man put into place, and, but he couldn't see that in the Bible, so he began to struggle with that, but he was reading the book of Acts, a dangerous thing to do. That's why in seminary, they teach us not to read the book of Acts. It's not real there. Just get to the other stuff. No, no, it's in the Bible. It's the application and the demonstration of being a follower of Jesus. It's a cameo of true, apostolic, authentic Christianity. And so he dared do something they said he shouldn't and read the whole Bible. And in reading the whole Bible, the book of Acts gripped his attention and he began to see things in the book of Acts that spoke and revealed something of the Holy Spirit. And it revealed something of what he was taught was wrong. And he longed for what he read. 
and longed for what the Bible said and what God told us and the early church was walking in and, and he longed for that, saying, I want that. What are we seeing? A man's structure that's bringing death. Good stuff, but just man stuff, doing their best, bringing us out of bondage into bondage. And while he was reading the book of Acts, he said, I want this Holy Spirit. I want what the early church had. And in that moment, and you not theologically disagree or not understand this happened, he in that moment began to speak in tongues. In his parish, in his Batman and Robin outfit, God filled him and he spoke in a heavenly language. Now you gotta understand, that might be weird for some of us. You're like, oh, it's a bit weird. I'm not sure I do the tongues thing. So let's just move it aside because it's not that relevant. He wasn't one of those. He was taught that if you speak in tongues, you're going to hell. Now he's got a problem. Because according to his denomination, of which he was a major player, he's going to hell. But according to the word of God, God did something significant. And so being a man of honor and a man of integrity and a man of truth, he called, in those days he called, and he asked for the moderator to come meet with him. And so they came and met with him, and, and he said, look, I need to tell you something. I said, well, what do you need to tell me? He said, I am going to hell according to our denomination. Strange declaration. What do you mean? I spoke in tongues. So they were kind of like scrambling a little and said, okay, here's what we'll say. If you sign this agreement that you'll never do that again, we'll pretend it never happened and we'll just carry on. Are you there? Not judging heart. Are you nuts? My dad said, hang on. Do you understand what you're telling me to do? You as a man, as a people, want me to stop something God's done to me. I cannot do that. And by the way, now that the Holy Spirit's revealed some things to me, why am I wearing this outfit? Why am I wearing this collar? Why do people call me reverent? And the most tragic of that conversation for me was this. That man, those, that man that came to see him, the moderator said, you know what, Dudley? Eventually he said, you're right. However, my pension is coming up soon. And I'm not prepared to rock the boat. Otherwise I'll lose my pension. Now I'm not judging that man. But I want to tell you, friends, that was the decider of my dad to say, I cannot be part of a structure that man is building anymore. Because when it's a man thing, it's in what's in it for us. But when it's a God thing, what does God want me to do? And so he just got up from that thing and said, thank you for the season we've had. And we left. And then we joined another denomination who welcomed us in. And that was also one of these denominations that were open, but not very open. And then God began to do some stuff. And then eventually we got kicked out of that great denomination. And all I'm and that's how NCMI basically was birthed. Now I want you to hear, it was not birthed in a revolution. And it was not birthed in a reaction. God cannot bless reaction. 
He's not into reaction. God's not a reacting God. We react, God doesn't. So when we react in the name of God, we're not representing God. He didn't say, let's start a revolution and revolt against the church. No, no, I need to live by revelation. God honors revelation, not reaction and not revolution, simply revelation. Are you there? And so he just said, I want to get back to the Bible. I want to live that. I want to be dumb enough, forgive me, to live what God said we can live. And if it's in there, let's go for it. If it's not in there, well, who cares what it's about there? And all through this, not that we've done this perfect, but that's simply what we want to be. If it's in there, let's go for it. If it's emphasized in Scripture, well, then we have the freedom to emphasize it. But if it's not, then we don't. And we find ourselves in danger again and again as God's people in seasons when there's so much unknown and seasons God's restoring stuff that we just begin to pursue our thing and hope He's in it rather than come back to what are you doing and what are we in with you and what can we emphasize if we're going to be truly biblical in this time and season. Are you there? So I, I, I glean from the book of Acts a few things. Let me tell you, when you read the Bible in the book of Acts, God reigns. Despite any circumstances, He reigns. And I believe that, even if I can't always see it. Can I also say that God does want His church to grow, contrary to us in reaction to the mega church. We're not in reaction. It's revelation. There's nothing wrong with big if it's God. It's wrong if it's man's structure building around man. But God is for big and small. He's for all. And God clearly through Scripture wants His church to grow. So if you have a theology that there's nothing about growth, God is a God of growth. And the church was called to grow, but not grow the way we wanted with all our silly tricks to keep people and get people. Grow and expand. Now, the early church was more obsessed, can I say, with reach than they were with numbers. The other thing, I see that people in the church were willing to work hard. Somehow we read the book, the, the, the book of Acts and go, gee, God did it all, and they just pre- cheered him on. No, no, they worked hard. And they had to beg God to intervene on their behalf. They didn't do it without Him, but they did it with Him, and they realized His role in what they were doing. Another thing I just want to say, that a praying church is unstoppable. It's amazing how COVID has forced the American church, including me as an American, even though I have an accent, to get back to praying. It's amazing how crisis forces us back on our knees. And then things become a little better, and then we back and We know what we're doing, God. We got this, God. You know, someone said that prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. That, to me, is the declaration. If we don't pray, then we almost telling God we got this. I just want to tell you, we ain't got nothing. And COVID has revealed that if we ever thought we had something. I keep saying God didn't pause what He's doing. He stopped what we were doing to remind us again of what He's doing and again to remind us that actually without Him, we can't do anything. (laughs) And so I'm so grateful that a praying church is unstoppable, meaning if we're not praying, you are stoppable. And some of us stopped. Another thing we see in the book of Acts is that the church had to let go of the comfortable. 
and the familiar in order to follow Jesus and advance his gospel. You there? We've got to let go of the comfortable and the familiar. And, and I think we all said, yeah, yeah. And then we went through COVID and we had to let go of a lot of the stuff we were familiar with and finding fresh ways and new ways. But God hasn't changed any of it. We've had to adjust who we are. But if we're following him and we're about advancing, then we've got to let go of some things. It's clearly in the scripture. Can I also say this, that the early church, the message of the church, are you listening, was Jesus. Nothing political. Oh, quiet, yeah. Wasn't a political message. Just read it in context. Not what we've made it to say, what it actually says. Not political. Some of you are like, yeah, tell them, Tyron. Okay, it wasn't social either. Oh, now we're quiet, yeah, because we're all getting a smack here. Why? Because we've made it a thing. So it's either political or social. But let me tell you, they didn't try legislate morality. Simply Jesus. Are they? The other thing I want to say is the church was passionate about seeing people getting saved, coming to Christ. Love the emphasis this week about evangelism. You, you read the early church. These guys, these people, they were passionate about seeing people get saved. It wasn't this optional extra when we get it right. It was the reason they existed, to know him and make him known. The other thing I want to say is that they clearly understood, the leaders there, that the crowd's opinions always changed. They did not look to the people to back what they were doing. They weren't looking for the approval of man. I mean, friends, I, I just want to say we are in serious danger of waiting for everyone to be on board of everything we're called to do. Then we can do it. You'll never do it. Opinions of people are awesome, but they matter not. Don't put any stock in those who love you or hate you because one day they do both to you. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be real. It seemed like the early church weren't too concerned and the leaders weren't that concerned about who was for them or who loved them. It was like we called to do what God's called us to do and praise God they did it. Church leaders knew that they were focused on Jesus and not with the opinions of others. They also knew that without his presence and power, we can do very little. Can I say we can actually do nothing for him? Another thing I think is if Jesus isn't setting us on fire, listen, the fire will go out. And you see that in the early church. That's what needed to happen. Are you there? You see, the church, I do believe, and I think it's come through this weekend already, is there needs to be a shift in the church as the church. And I think the church needs to view itself again as Jesus did. Of course, Jesus is coming back for his church. Of course, Jesus is building his church. Of course, we matter. We purchase with the blood of Jesus. I mean, I love those truths. We called out all these great truths. But I want to tell you something from Scripture, that the church is not the goal of mission. The church is the agent of mission. Somehow we've made us the goal. And I know the guys who've talked on evangelism, inviting people to church is not, is not evangelism. All you're doing is promoting your ministry, your church, your people. You're not promoting evangelism, talking about Jesus. How much Jesus talked about when you say come to church? I'm not saying don't do that. We've covered that. But we've made the church the goal. 
And it's not the goal in Scripture. It's the agent. It's the vehicle for the mission. So I want to say the church does not send. Somehow we've got this understanding. Apostolic Christianity is we send. No, no, the church does not send. The church is sent. Somehow we gather, then we send. No, we are sent even when we gather. Meaning the church is inherently missional. We exist for something bigger than us. The church is not a place, we all know that, it got shut down, locked down. We all began to meet on Zoom and all these other, because it's not a place, it's a people. God will keep taking us through stuff to remind us, because if we've made it a place, he'll show us it's not a place, it's a people. He's committed to this. So mission, I want to say, friends, is not a function of the church. The church exists for mission. I want to say that the church exists by mission as a fire exists by burning. I've, in this church, I had the privilege of being part of your opening, and this is an incredible, incredible facility. I, honestly, it's like I, I said, like, I don't believe God dwells in buildings, but if he did, it probably could be one of these. <laughs> That's just, I know he doesn't, so don't come and challenge me. But if he did, I, I reckon it might be this, and I've told people that, but... But when I had the privilege of preaching at the opening, I had to remind this great church, Anthem Church, and, and listen, change names, but courageous leaders, courageous people had an impact. Many guys who even ministered this week have planted from this church. It's just this going and sending people. But I had to remind them of their call, that this church is to be a flagship church. In other words, a church that we can point to and say, that's something of what it means to be born again followers of Christ in a season and a time that we're living in. Not just read the Bible, point to that church anthem, a not perfect church, but perhaps a flagship of, that's what we can aim to be a bit more like. But I had to remind them that in order to be a flagship continually going forward, they got to not become a cruise ship, but have to stay a battleship. I believe that what we've gone through in this season, God has challenged us to get back to being a battleship. But even as we become out and getting back to some normality, I'm watching the church go back to being cruise ships. And doing our utmost to get people back, we begin to cruise and we pause the mission God's given us because we don't want to offend people. We just want to get them off their couches and off Zoom and back in the building and then we'll get them ready and then we'll motivate them back to mission. I want to tell you, we'll never motivate them to mission if we don't start with mission and think we'll end up getting to mission. It's a simple truth. It's like a, it's a subtle thing. And I've had the privilege of traveling and ministering all over and recently all over this great nation. And I want to tell you, subtly I sense it. That most who are never been people pleasers have become people pleasers in the church. And pastors are doing their utmost. And I, I'm not even in any say, I can understand it. I know it. I mean, I can't imagine. I've never had the, pa the pain of leading a church through COVID because I don't need a church anymore. I've handed it over to these guys. But I've led NCMI through this. It's been difficult to lead globally when you're stuck at home. It's been difficult to speak into something we've never walked through. And my dad had the privilege of leading this team before. So I would find him and say, hey, Pops, tell me, like, what do I do? I said, Tyrant, I've never led NCMI through a pandemic. God will show you. Hang up. Thanks, Dad. 
We've never done this before, but this I've watched, even in our desire to attract, and I'm not anti-attraction, but I attract our people, get some back. We begin to tone down the mission. See, I've watched when it comes to people pleasing every time, and think about this, every time we begin to please people, the first thing that goes is mission. People have told me, you're offending us when you come to our region and talk about nations and uh, outermost parts of the earth and getting back to what we call to, when we're just trying to get back. And I, I understand why you're offended, but I'm biblically going, we've got to stick to God's plan. We can't wait till we're back to get back. People won't come back if we're not missional. You want to get them off the couch? Give them something to believe in, not come by into your dream as a church. Capacity people want to be part of something bigger than your thing, even if your thing's big. And somehow we think it's our thing and join our thing and then sow into my thing and then we'll go and do our thing. No, no, come and be part of what God's doing with us and watch big capacity people come in. Why? Because they know you're not people pleasing. See, ultimately, when we people please, we lose the mission. First thing that goes. I've also said this, when we people please, we end up not liking who we've become. I've talked to pastors in this season who said, I don't like who we've become. Why? Because we're no longer doing what God's called us to. Well, you know what? There's only one who can fix that and change it. You. Change it. Get back to who you're supposed to be. I think it's a danger in the church is everybody wants us to be something God hasn't called us to be. I'm telling you, standing here as the privileged leader of this team, everybody wants me to be something God hasn't called me to be. And their hearts are good, but if I listen to them, I'm going to be a fake. Every person in your church wants you to be a church of this or that or this. And that's awesome. And maybe God's in some of that. But how does that help us in our mission? If it doesn't, you better stay away from it. Because God is about His mission. I want to be about His. Are you with me? Battleship, cruise ship, battleship. Have you ever been on a battleship? It's a phenomenal thing. I mean, it's overwhelming. Our American ships, my goodness. Gee, we got some ships. I don't care what they say in the media. We can take some people out with our, our ships. They're not that old school stuff. They are wow. You get on a battleship, a battleship, and let me tell you, it's got all these incredible things. I've also been on a cruise ship. I want to tell you, after three days on a cruise ship, I was ready to get off. I'm fat. I'm sick of the people. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so tired of being waited on. I want to get back to some normality. And while they're similar as they both float on water, that's about all they have together. There's very different things. A, a cruise ship is all about keeping everyone on that ship happy. In actual fact, those who, the captain tries to find the steadiest water. They're going nowhere. They're just aimlessly having fun, and everybody on the ship's enjoying it. The only thing you required, you know that, and I've been on a cruise ship, the only thing you required to do on a cruise ship is to breathe. That's fact, and the only reason that is is because they can't do that for you. I'm serious, friends. And we've got churches who are trying to play that game, or we're allowing the sheep to tell us, if we come back, breathe for me. If we come back, what do you have for me? If we come back, what's in it for my family? If we come back, will you visit me? Will you see? And we got all these things. And we're doing our best to juggle, please him and please them. But a battleship, mm, not so much. You come and join that ship, you're there for a mission. We're going somewhere. We're going to go straight through some rocky waters. We're on a mission. We're not, 
The mission's not us on the ship. The mission's the people who've yet to get on the ship. Everything on a cruise ship is for the people on the cruise ship. Everything on a battleship is for people who are not on the battleship. Big difference. We exist for them. They don't exist for us. Been challenged by that statement again and again. God does not give cities to churches. God gives churches to cities. Meaning, those people out there are not here for us. We're here for those people. Meaning, this, us, we exist for them. Him to reach them, not them for us to have in our churches. The pressure, guys, more so than I think ever in our great nation, is to please people, get them back, get them loved, get them cared for, taken care you know, making sure that if you're online, stay online. If you don't want to come back, if you want to stay, I mean, we got all that. I get it, friends. But somewhere we got to say, you know what? Here's our mission. Come join us. And it's going to cost you everything. Because that's what he said. You don't like who you become, then fix it. Go back to what you're supposed to do. You know, it becomes harder to hear the voice of God when you're pleasing people. Very hard to hear God when everyone else is telling you what to do. And if you're listening to everyone else, you're not listening to God. It's a dangerous thing. I've watched that even scripture gets interpreted through the filter of the critics when you worry about what people think. I know there's some scriptures I'm gonna read and I have been sharing and that I know there are critics out there who don't like it. And it's so easy for me to focus on those people and tone it down. Don't worry about critics. Worry about what God said. Critics will come, critics will go. And I'm not saying like, write them off, but don't filter scripture through the critics. Get your scripture through the lenses of God. What are you saying? What's your purpose? What's your plan? Can I also just say this, that when you are people pleasing, I've watched this, friends, real leaders, and I don't know how else to say that, real leaders end up leaving. I mean, not, there's not fake leaders. It's just capacity people know when you are pleasing people. God has this way of showing us. So we're going to jump through hoops for the small capacity in order to lose the capacity people God wants us. Let's just understand the strategy of the enemy and know this. This is what people want, the bigness of what God's called us to. They do want it. And Americans especially. I love Americans. I'm proud to be one. I married one. I've got sons here. I'm chose to be. And I love this country. I love it. Honestly, I know we've got issues. So does every other country, just so you know, America. Just we magnified because we're the big country and everyone likes to throw rocks at us and we like now to throw rocks at each other. So that's interesting. But we're listening to the world saying stuff about us and now we're saying about each other. I mean, we've lost our minds. Anyway, that's another whole thing. And, I, and I, I'm just sorry. Stop. We've got a great country. God's not finished with this country. He hasn't left this country. We're not here for leftovers. I didn't move to this country for what's left. I moved here in the sweet spot of the will of God for what God's doing in and through the church in this nation, to this nation and from this nation. We've got to fix it. We've got to get it right. We've got to stop fighting each other and taking each other out and getting it. And we've heard about that. But we seem so good at destroying what God's doing because we're so buying into the cultural stuff. And I'm saying that as an American, all right? I can sound like you hamburgers and Coke and... But I sound weird like you sound, so I'm just going to sound like me. But I love Americans, and I love their front-footedness. Stop being back-footed in the kingdom. 
business people are, not, not non-believing business people are so big capacity. I sit with them and I'm, I'm inspired. We can take the world. We are the world. The whole American thing. Yes, of course, we are the world. Let's take the world. And then you talk to believers in the church. And I'm not sure we can. We should believe what they're saying about us. We're nothing. No, no, we, be, we must get on with the call of God. We need all hands on deck. And we need capacity people who are willing to say, for the king and the kingdom, my everything. I love Matt and Sheetal on our team. And not because of who they, what they, but, but God's called this couple. I mean, you, you just talk to what God, it's one of many. They're on this team because what God's doing, not in the church exclusively, but through them everywhere. They're reaching people. I wouldn't even have the privilege of meeting. It's not where's your value. It's what God's called you to do. We've got to stop having these people all being filtered through our little thing. God, what are you called us to? Local church, absolutely. But through the local church, not for the local church. Let me just say this. Nobody's actually ever that happy. Ever. Are you there? When you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. If you live for the people's acceptance, you will die from people's rejection. All right, I'm taking way too long. Let's get to the Bible. If you've got a Bible, please go with me. Book of Acts. Are you with me? Acts chapter 1. So, on the first night that I got to share, if you were here, you would have heard me, I mentioned, I think some of the guys have made reference to it already, but Ken Grenfell is a guy on our team, a prophetic guy who's based in Virginia, and he had this dream, 2019. It's awesome to come and tell us this now, but he told me in 2019. And he had this dream, and the dream was simply this. He was driving a vehicle full of people to a prayer meeting that NCMI was hosting. And he dropped everyone off at that prayer meeting and then he went and parked his vehicle and then he walked towards the prayer meeting and, and then he realized that he had left his Bible and his notes in his vehicle. So he went back to the vehicle to get his Bible and his notes only to find the vehicle was gone. But he was devastated. Not that the vehicle was gone, but that his, his Bible was gone. But he was honestly saying, even more importantly, his notes were gone. And so he started walking back to the prayer meeting and on the way to the prayer meeting, he found his Bible on the, in the side, on the gutter, and he picked it up, and then we all came out and said, gee, where you been? You missed this prayer meeting, and so on. Great, 2019. He woke up, and he said, and I've got that. He sent it to me in 2019, and this is what he said. The vehicle that disappeared represented the church or ministry. It disappeared. 2019. And he said, what God's saying to us is that the only way going forward for the church is that we need the Word of God, because I found the Word of God only, not my notes, and I was on my way to the prayer meeting. We need the Word of God and prayer. Oh, we know this. No, do we? And then three months later, the church, as we know it, globally ceased. I think it's on, I understand, but the way we've always done church stopped globally. The vehicle was taken for a season. We had to find new ways and strategy. I get all that. But I want to tell you coming out of the season, and what he's saying is the word of God and prayer. Oh, yeah, we know that. Do we? 
I'm giving us a heads up here so when we get to the word, we don't have an optional extra if we, do, if we like this. It's the word and only the word. It's not what we've been taught. It's not what others are saying. It's not what our culture says. Can I just say, we better settle in this biblical culture again before we get into the other cultures. We have to, friends. I mean, Psalm 119 verse 89 says this, your word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Can I say, if it's settled in heaven forever, it happens to be settled here on earth, even in 2021 in in Chicago and in the United States. God's not changing it because of things that are happening. It's the same word. And we've got to settle God's way before we get into the other ways. It's been spoken, and we need to heed and abide to it. And I want to say the word of God reveals again, not just the promises of God, but the purposes of God. And all of us have favorite scriptures. I've got favorite promises. And some of us were saying we were hanging on to these promises through COVID and so on. But the promises are linked to God's purpose. They're not just promises to hold on to. Everything God's about is a purpose. From Genesis to Revelation, everything happens around. He created us for purpose. He created us to do stuff. And when we messed it up, He put a rescue plan in place, not for a new purpose, to get us back to purpose. Everything in scripture is about the purpose and plans of God. And so if you want to know what God's about, let's go back to the Word. But don't just hold your promises. Look to the promise that's linked to the purposes of God. And that's why we've got to come back to the purpose of God in all of this. And you know, it gives you clarity even in a season like this. Not what are we doing? What are you doing, God? And then you go, oh, it makes a lot more sense. I don't like this season, but actually this is not just the devil here. Not just our government who put us in this. God's allowed some of this to happen in order to get the church back to the purposes of God. And then you're like, okay, that makes more sense. Gives me a little more courage in a season like this. And it helps me want to shift as I go forward. The Word of God is so essential, friends. Please don't just quote it, go back to it. I love what the Word of God does because it tells us the what we're being called to. But we've got to get better at explaining the why. The Word of God tells us what, and if you just say, well, this is what the Bible says, that's not always enough. We should say, why did God say that? You know, these battles, and I don't want to get into them, but the cultural wars, even in the church, if we went and said, the Bible says this, why does it say that? Because God knows best. But if you just say the Bible says, well, then God's a caveman, and you're living in caveman mentality. No, no, there's a purpose to the creation of how God made us. There's order. You mess with that. You're never going to live in the bigness of God. But if you say, well, the Bible says, no, no, why does God? Doesn't God know better? Do you think the creator of us knows better than any of us? If you don't think so, you need deliverance this morning, and we'll help you with that. I mean, he knows best. So we like to say, well, the Bible says, well, that's not enough. Why did God say that? Because he knows best. I, I, I could mention a couple of what those battles are and cause a huge fight, fight here. I'm just telling you, the Bible, why fight what God's intended? Do you think you can win? Do you think you'll be happy being someone God hasn't called you to be? Because the culture says you should be that when you're not that. You might feel like you've had success in the culture, but you're not living in the creation of why you are on this planet. So it's like, oh, the Bible says you should be. Man's a man and woman. We say, well, hang on, uh, I want to be whatever. Well, I don't care what you want to be, and I get there's real issues here. But God's not going to change it for what you want. God's made you, and the way He's made you, you can only function like that. So you, you're not just living in sin. You, you are not, you're living duped to what you were created to be. 
somehow the deceiver gets us to feel like we can do what we want. God says, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but you'll never function in what I've called you to until you come back to the way I made you. I, I, I know you're mad now, and how dare you touch it. That's one of a lot of other things I could touch. But I can, you see, people say, what do you think, Tyron? What's your opinion? I listen, I've got some. I'm an American now. I've got some opinion. <laughs> I really do. And the more I'm here, the longer I've been here. I've been here for 18 months straight. I, I'm now opinionated. <laughs> what does it matter what I think? I've got to tell you what the Bible says. But I also want to say, if I read the Bible in context, wow, God knew what he was doing when he said what he said. So it's not just the Bible says. It's not a rule book. It's the destiny of people. It's how can you be something you're not created to be? Good luck with that. And we're trying it, and we've allowed that in the church. And we're bringing it into the church because, hey, we need to do these things to be more relevant to them. We're becoming them rather than becoming who he's called us to. Is that okay? You don't have to agree with me. I'm not being political. I'm being biblical. Back to the Word. Remember the Word. Not your notes, the Bible. I love the Bible because it tells us what but also why. People lose their way when they lose their why. So it's prayer, it's the word of God, but I also want to say it's power. And that's what I want to just touch on this morning. And I, and I love what you, I think it was you about the champagne bottle, not the champagne stuff, but the bottle. And we sang that song, spring up a well within my soul. Yeah, yeah, okay. I've got a river of life flowing out from me. Makes a blind to walk and whatever. Blame the blind to see and the lame to walk. And I mean, listen, I grew up singing that in the 70s, 60s, whenever it was, 70s. I don't know when we sang it, but, but I had to confirm because I said to the team this morning, I got a few things, but that thing, it's not just I have this well that I'm living with, so I have this well that brings life to others. Healing, blind to see, lame. To walk. We need to be people who are moving more in the presence and power of God. We really do. We can talk gospel and it's a declaration. It is all that. But we also need to demonstrate what we're declaring. God's not saying be one-sided. He wants all this. And there's a season upon us as the followers of Jesus to lean back into him and on him and rely more on him. Because when you read the word of God and when you read that we need to pray more, you see very quickly it's his power in us that we need to demonstrate again. And again, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might. And that's talking about the might of the people, right? He was talking about a context. It's, I think some of us, if we're honest this morning, in our, this room, maybe your church has kind of dwindled and people have left it, and you're waiting to be strong by numbers, then you can walk in power. He said it'll never be. You can be 20 million people in your church. It's not going to be enough. It's never going to be by might. And some of us have bought into the might Model, the bigger your church is, the more powerful you can be. Wrong. And that's why we've seen some of them, not, not wrong with megachurch, structures that are around men and around systems are, come down and are not coming back. Not because God doesn't like those people, because those structures don't represent God. And we don't need more people, we need more God. We don't need more flesh, we need more spirit. Not by might. Please remove that from your thinking leaders. It's not how big, and of course we talk about God does want to grow your church, but it's not about how big your church is. Not by the might of the people you carry or have, 
It's not by this team I have. Not by how many. It's not going to be enough. It's never enough. And God keeps telling us, read the Bible and pray and you'll see it's not enough. Not by might, nor by power. What was he talking about? The power of King Cyrus. It's not by the position that King Cyrus carried. That's not. You sit here and say, I need the approval of their government. If only the government would get on board with what we're doing. If only the city or the whatever you have facing it, if they just backed us like the early church were backed by their politicians, it would be great. Really, you haven't read the Bible. They were locking them up for saying what we're saying today. Oh, if only we had what they had. No, no. We don't want what they have. You don't need the backing of that White House. It would be nice, but it's not going to help God. Therefore, how will it help us? Not by might, nor by power, not by the authority of a king, but by my spirit. Not your spirit, not a spirit, not some spirit, my spirit. And only by my spirit. And I've heard that so quoted pre-COVID, but more quoted during COVID. And now whatever season we are out of COVID, he's still quoting it. But are we living it? Is it still relevant as things become back to some stability and momentum? Is it his power or is it our deal trying to make it all happen again? So I think sp spiritual momentum is always going to be better than physical momentum. Yet we have measuring sticks as the church and pastors and leaders, and we taught at all these conferences, these are the measuring sticks, and they always physical momentum. They never actually look at spiritual momentum. And God allowed some of that to stop, to get us back to spiritual momentum should be the thing that leads the local church, not physical momentum. We can be so busy with so many things and so many people and so, many money, so much money and be doing very little in the kingdom. And we wouldn't believe it till we were stopped and said, okay, hang on. And I don't know a pastor globally who hasn't said to me recently, the spiritual momentum in our church has far outweighed the physical momentum. And I said, praise God, may it stay like that, otherwise we need another pandemic. See, when I think of the fruit of the results of effective ministry, and that's what we want to be about, effectiveness. I felt God brought us out of a season of release into a season of effectiveness. It's time to be effective for the king. God's about effectiveness, not numbers and gatherings, effectiveness for the king and the kingdom. Well, I believe stuff like revelation, I think of the fruits of effectiveness, is like revelation. Well, let me tell you, too much borrowed truth in the church. We're borrowing from each other rather than getting re revelation. Rhema and Logos were from God, and it's the Holy Spirit who gives us revelation. It's not the fruit of our good teaching. Taking his truth and making it ours is revelation. Who does that? No greater revealer and teacher than the Holy Spirit. Authenticity is another thing that is a fruit, I believe, of effective ministry. And you know who one who keeps us real? is the Holy Spirit. Can't be fake when you're led by the Spirit. Devil, I believe, is not fighting the churches. I believe he's joined the church. He does more damage by imitating rather than clear opposition. So if we want authenticity, it's got to be the Spirit that reveals some of the stuff that's fake imitation. I think clarity is another uh, sign or, or, or fruit of effectiveness. Clarity. Who brings clarity? The Holy Spirit. Liberty. We talk liberty and where the Spirit of the freedom, the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. Freedom, freedom, liberty. You know, there's only one who can bring liberty. It's the Holy Spirit. 
I can preach on freedom and liberty and take me and kill me and for freedom. And I love to, this big uh, war story. I love Braveheart, my favorite movie. And ah, you can take my life, you can take, but you cannot take my freedom. And everyone's, ah, and we've all played those videos and showed people, come on, let's run through walls. And, and it's a great heart, but it's stupid. It's not public. I mean, it's great to, there's only one who can bring freedom. We can shout, scream, and declare, and pray, and it's the Holy Spirit. Activation. We talk about God activating. It's not us activating. He, the Spirit, activates. Yeah, can, I, can I just say what happened yesterday? I don't want to embarrass the lady if she's here, so I'll be... I don't know if you were here yesterday morning, but Caden, the young Caden, came to me and said, Tyrant, hey, Caden, well done. I'm not going to embarrass you, right? but I'm going to embarrass you. But he's like, hey, I've got this thing. It's like a tongue but Jesus. So when you mention Jesus, you get in, you know. So I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> It's like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know. We just need to sing in tongues in Jesus. I'm like, okay. Uh, just let's wait and see, you know. And then I said, okay, Caden, you want to do it? He's like, oh, I'm not sure. Anyway, he, he did it. He got up here and I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. Okay, we'll just do it and we'll help you. Now, whenever I hear someone say, I've got a tr- tongue, I'm like, okay, well, what's the tongue? Have you got the interpretation? Because I'm going to have to call you out if you don't, you know, the whole... And so we, he got up here and he just said, I feel like we do this. And we began to sing out in tongues. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then, and then I, I grabbed the mic and I just tried to explain because maybe some people were a bit freaked out. I just said, hey, the Bible talks about this and I just mentioned a couple of what this Bible says. And I think we've got to, if we're going to walk in more of what God has, especially spiritually, we better have a Bible, biblical backing for what's happening. Some of us just pretend it's not happening or others just want to shut it down. Do you know in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came, they were filled, like the promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 2 they came and Peter stood up and he actually backed Biblically, what was happening? He said, in the past, God prophesied the book of Joel that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. He had a prophetic word that backed what was happening. And it gave people the freedom to go, okay. Because it is different. And, we're, and so anyway, I just tried to say a bit of that. And then we left her. A lady came to us during the break and she said, Man, I heard you say there's a difference between the gift of the spirit, uh, gift of tongues and speaking in tongues. And can I pray? So we prayed for her. And she got... Filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. Now, I went away going, gee, that's interesting. If, if God didn't initiate with Caden, Caden didn't respond, we didn't do, then that lady might have not had a moment because we weren't going to talk on tongues at all. Do you see how we want to activate and let's get strategies? God, you just listen. Be faithful. God knows what he's doing, and he created that to have that, to have that, and she got filled with the Spirit, spoke in tongues. It wasn't part of the meeting. It's God initiate. You want activation? Let the Spirit lead you. You're going to get clever tricks and the conference is going to do this and we're going to get through this. No, no. Just have a strategy but allow Him to activate what He did because He knows better than any of us. Activation. Multiplication. We're all about multiplication. You know the greatest multiplier is the Holy Spirit. Collaboration. Oh, it's the big word and everyone's now collaborating because we don't know what we're doing so let's collaborate. Awesome. But the Holy Spirit's the great one who gives us collaboration. Administration, and I'm not talking about, uh, we need administrators here, but, but kingdom administration. Friends, we've got to get better at leading God's people, leading meetings. It's the Holy Spirit who's the great administrator. He works through us, but we need Him to work through us rather than us telling Him what to do. Transformation, right? We need transformation. Who brings transformation? The Holy Spirit. All of these are the work of the Holy Spirit. It can truly only happen with Him. 
We need to see the power of God in our church and spiritual fruit for our efforts. I gotta tell you this, we need to continually return to the dependence and yieldedness of the Holy Spirit. You know, most people preach a binatarian or believe in a binatarian, uh, sorry, a Trinitarian God, but they live a binatarian life or ministry. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yes, I believe that, but I live a life with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm, not sure you go there. And that's okay if he was just a blessing from God. Then you can choose whether you want the blessing. The Bible doesn't say the Holy Spirit's a blessing from God. It actually says the Holy Spirit is God. So no longer is he an optional extra for deluxe Christians who are a bit wacky. He's God. And we need to yield back to him. And that's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We quote that, don't we? Oh, yeah. Do you know the Holy Spirit is right here, right now? Do you know that? I believe the same Holy Spirit that we have in the book of Acts is the same Holy Spirit right here, right now. I listen to people say, we need another Pentecost. And I know what they're saying, but theologically they're wrong. Because what they're saying is, we believe that Pentecost happened, but it's almost like it didn't and God took it away. And now we're going to have to hang on till he does it again. No, no, he's done it and he's never stopped. And what we need to do is acknowledge the same Holy Spirit who was there in the early church, birthing the early church, lit the flame, is the same Spirit in this room right here, right now. And what we're going to do is acknowledge Him and yield to Him. But because He's here doesn't mean we're all free. Because that's not what that text is saying. It doesn't say where He is, that's where you're free. It's when you yield to Him as Lord, that's where you find freedom. There's a river of life flowing. How? You can sing that, you can declare that, but you don't have that if you haven't yielded. That river doesn't exist. It's there. It just needs some yielding to come out so we can help the blind to, walk, uh, blind to see and the lame to walk. It's not so we can walk around full and having moments. It's about us showing the power of God to a people who are desperate to see what God's called us to do. The early church, back to it, was spirit-filled. I don't know what you're going to do with that, but it was, and it is. Spirit-filled. I believe we need infilling, refilling, and every other filling in Scripture. You cannot read the New Testament Scripture and the early church and not see that there is something different about the early church after the Holy Spirit came. The church was birthed in power. In actual fact, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, wait, don't go do anything because you can't do anything without me. And we're doing everything because we're doing it without him because we don't know the Holy Spirit stuff. We just want to, mm, we've got authority. No, no, you've got power too. We need power, not just authority. We're walking around bringing, dis destroying people with authority without understanding you need power as well. Jesus said, wait till you receive power. They're worshiping together. The Holy Spirit comes like promised. And Jody references, I think TK, a few other guys, but let me just tell you, when it says that, Jesus said this in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Well, they, we're not gonna read it. I promise you it's in there, okay? I came to read it, but I'm all over the show, forgive me. But it's in the Bible and you need to go read it because if it's not what I'm saying, don't listen to. 
It's not a good idea. I'm not going to... It's there. We needed to read it, but we just don't have time, unfortunately. But it says this. That Jesus went about convincing and proving that he was alive. Didn't just tell people to tell. He showed, convinced, I'm alive. I was dead. It's me now. We're still called to do that. Convince and prove to people that Jesus is alive. And then it says he spoke in a period of 40 days about the kingdom. Didn't preach about it. He preached the kingdom. Right? And then the disciples came to him and said in verse 6, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Nationalism, politics, and religion. Is it about Israel? Jesus didn't even play that with it. He says, not for you to know the times and dates that my Father has set by his own authority, by his preferred, that word authority there is more about preference, what he's decided. That's none of your business, basically. But then he said in verse eight, but you will receive power. That's a different word. That's exosia. That's, uh, sorry, the, the, the other one is, yeah, exerted power, exerted power. No, no, dunamis, sorry. The, the, yeah, see, I should stick to my notes. The conferred power, exosia, you will receive power. My father has said that by his own authority. That word, exosia, exerted power, that's decided by him. So don't worry about that stuff. But you will receive power, uh, uh, dunamis. And we've all quoted this. I've heard preachers, I mean the Pentecost, I mean the, the charismatics, and we get wild now, and we're going to throw some TNT and dynamite because that word where we get our word, it's not that. We don't go blow up anything. Stop blowing things up in his name, especially spiritually. No wonder we're all running away from the reality of who the Holy Spirit is. We're not called to blow it all up. It actually has more to do with ability, not dynamite. And he said, you receive power dunamis, ability to be witnesses. See, God stand up and say, we're called to do. No, no, actually, the Holy Spirit makes us, it doesn't just give us a duty to be witnesses, it gives us an identity as witnesses. You will be, not go do, you will be. Witnesses, where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. And so he's saying, wait to receive this power. And when you receive it, go and be. Go demonstrate. Go show. Go live. Go testify. But by everything, not just by a declaration. And so while they're waiting, Acts chapter 2, and worshiping, it says the Holy Spirit came. The very thing he promised would happen, believe it or not, happened. Fancy that. And they went, oh, this is how it's going to look. They all began to declare the praises of God in different languages. That was the response. Jesus didn't say, when the Spirit comes, you'll all praise God. When the Spirit came, they all praised God. Why? Because the Spirit's role is not to take the place, but to bring glory to. All of them in that room were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not some, not the chosen few, not the leaders, everyone. Not the selected holy, all. And from that moment, they changed, but so did Jerusalem because of what happened. The whole of Jerusalem was changed because of what happened in that day. That's how the church was birthed. And from there, it just took ground and took ground and took ground because they were empowered with power to do what it is God's called us to do. Can't do it without Him. It's not, they were spirit-filled. 
We need that filling. We need that infilling. We need that refilling. We need every other filling we see in Scripture. If it's in there, we want it. If it's not, stay away. But we need it. The worst thing we can do with power is pretend we don't have it. That's what most of us do. I don't really have it. I don't want to go there, head in the ground. You have power. What are you going to do with it? We've received it. We need to walk in it. The early church of spirit moved. I mean, friends, we've got to get back to keeping in step. We don't just be filled. I know churches that guys are all about having these infillings and refilling gatherings, and then they get back to their own thing. If you're spirit filled, then you've got to be spirit moved. Moved by the Spirit. Compelled to do things you wouldn't do if you were not filled by the Spirit. But we have these Spirit-filled meetings and then we get back to our own lives and our own ministries and trust God's in it. No, no. Spirit-filled, Spirit-moved, Spirit-sent. We can talk about sending and telling people to go. If the Spirit's leading us, He will send us. We won't optionally, are oh, you really good and you're not anointed? You are. The Spirit says go, go. Paul, go here, go here. Do this. Spirit-led, Spirit-moved, Spirit-sent. Leaders, we got to lead God's people with the Spirit. Spirit-led. We can be Spirit-full, Spirit-moved, Spirit-sent, and try and be man-led. We're going to get in the way with what God's doing. We believe in leadership, but we better be led by the Spirit. Does it make sense? All right, I don't know where to go, but... I'm going to... See, the, the Great Commission, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, I'll give you power, wait. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Matthew, Matthew 18, uh, 28 tells us about the Great Commission. All, all, all the Gospels speak about the Great Commission, but Matthew, Mark, Mark 16, Jesus says this. He says, um, go and preach the Gospel to all creation. And then he talks about laying hands on the sick and they will recover. And these signs will accompany those in my name. They will drive out demons, I'll do this. He even talks about drinking poison. Can I, can I get in trouble too? I don't think we should go drink poison. I mean, I know the churches in this nation to show us how strong we are. We drink poison and play with snakes. Are you loopy? You need to go, that's demonic, man. It's wrong spirit, just so you know. It's not what it's saying, go do that. I believe what Jesus is actually saying is in my great commission, when you're doing what I called you to do, you might face stuff or be forced to do stuff hmm. that your faith's not in that, but you need to do that, take that so you can do what I called you to do. Hey there, I'm not pushing vaccines. I'm just telling you I took it. <gasps> And you know why I took it? Not because my face in the vaccine. Not because I was scared of COVID, because I got COVID. I took it so I can get on with the mission and travel the world and preach the gospel. And if that's what they're requiring of me, I don't like it. But even if it is, forgive me, and I know it's not. But if it was poison, with all due respect, don't I have the right to say, Lord, please let this not poison my body. I'm not pushing you to get it or not get it. But I'm just saying, you're going to watch us get on with the mission while you sit at home locked up. And not my rules, not God's rules, the rules. Like them or not. But somewhere, we've got to get back to the mission. And I believe what is, maybe I'm over-reading it, but I read it and I was like, okay, I can do this. If I have to have it, I'll take it. 
I'm not fighting you to get it. I'm just saying we've been called. So we can take stuff, we can do stuff, but it's for the mission. I, I recently said to the man who, who's in the military, and again, no, I won't go there. Okay. Are you with me? I'm please don't lose me. This is not a cultural thing. I'm just telling you that's we gotta do some stuff we don't like if we're gonna get on with what God's called us. You can fight it, and I get it. It's an American thing. I get it. I love that about America. But good luck winning that battle. It's not gonna happen. Somewhere we gotta get on with it. I wanna travel. I gotta go. The nation's waiting. The people waiting. The people groups waiting. I gotta go. I travel and when some places they tell me you've got to have this vaccine to go there, I take it. I don't say, well, what's going in? I'm trust you, Lord. That's cool. Maybe you think I'm silly, but I am. An Australian too, so I, I, I am silly. But anyway, I've lost you right there. But just know this. I'm not telling you to get it or not get it. Are you with me? And just stop fighting the wrong battle. Get on with the call of God. And if it requires something you're not happy with, trust God. Don't go pick up snakes or drink poison. It's not saying that. But I think he's saying what you're called to do, if you do and you have faced stuff while in the call, I'm going to protect you. That's what he's saying. And then he says, and, and you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And, and then I love this, they went and did it. So we read that and we stop there and say, well, if we, you know, God said he's gonna do this. But they actually says, and then the disciples, Mark 16, went and did that. And when they did it, God followed and accompanied what they said. You there? So we, we have heard this how many times? And we go, yeah, okay, Lord, do it. But actually the disciples didn't say, okay, God, do it. They said, okay, we'll go do it and you'll back what we do. God's not saying, I'm doing it. He's saying, I want you to do it and I'll back you. So signs and wonders and miracles, they follow us. We don't follow them. We don't run after. Maybe some of you in this room are all about running after the next conference, the next signs and wonders. No, no, they follow us. But they better be following us if we're true followers of Jesus. And we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We can drive out demons. We can power the witnessing, powerful witnessing, powerful prophecy, power for breaking open cities, power to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And it's not the evangelists or a handful of healing ministries. It's all God's people. Jesus said in John chapter 14, the things you've seen me do. He said, I tell you the truth. And when truth tells you the truth, that's a double truth right there. Anyone who has faith in me, Who's the anyone? Hands up if you anyone. And if you don't put your hand up, we need to deliver you as well today. Anyone who has faith in me. I'm an anyone. Anyone who has faith in me will do the things that I've been doing. He will do even greater because I'm going to be with my Father. What do we do with that? You know, we talked about coming back to the Word. What do you do with that? Oh, that's great truth, Tyron. One day we'll get there today. It's no longer a season of talking about the Holy Spirit. It's about walking in the power. Laying hands on the sick and they recover. I do believe we've got to get back to this, friends. The, the mission, the Great Commission is wrapped up with signs and wonders and miracles. You can't be about the Great Commission if you're not about signs, wonders, and miracles. You can't separate them. The message of Jesus is wrapped up in the miracle. When people get healed, think about it. Why did God heal me? I'm the worst person on the earth. I don't be, yeah, but Jesus loves you. And it's a way to preach the gospel. The message of the gospel is wrapped up in a miracle. This m mission is to, signs and wonders accompanying us. 
The motive is not just to get people to your church. The motive is to see people come to realize that Jesus is alive. He's not just someone we read of or talk of. He's alive and well. He wants to show America how alive he is. The motive is not look at my ministry. Come hear what I have to say. And in, in, in Acts chapter 3, probably one of the most challenging stories in the Bible for me, when Peter and John are on their way to pray. Let me tell you, it was not the first time Peter and John were on their way to pray. If you know the Bible, they went a few times a day to pray. They walked past this man who was lame from the day he was born. Jesus himself walked past that man. He was not the first day he was out there. He was there from the day he was born. And every day they would drag him out and let him be a, 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 a beggar at the gates of beautiful. Peter and John are walking past, busy, on their way to mission, on their way to pray, on their way to do their religious duties. And there's a man who says, please, give me some money. Thank God they had no money. So it would be way easier to give them a coin and walk home. Way easier to send a check to a nation. Way easier to give some money to some vision that's going to take care of the poor. Way easier to write a check from my house. Silver and gold we do not have. But what I have, I give to you. Stand up and walk. Now think about that. That guy wasn't asking to get healed. He was asking for money. See, we can't give you what you want, but we can give you what you need. And he got up and he was walking. Now, now people were wild, not because some disciple prayed for them and they shabahabah and all this nonsense they prayed and shouted. It was simply a pickup. And the, their power was in the name of Jesus. They didn't go learn this at a conference on how to heal people. By the experts who write books and make money on how to heal people. Paul never attended any conference also. Not anti-conference. I'm just like, we have to go learn some structure and formula. It's not in Scripture. Do you know in the name of Jesus? Yeah, okay. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The guy gets up and walks. Everybody sees this guy walking. That's the miracle. Not, gee, they prayed for him and look what happened. Let's get him to pray for us. And they came running and the whole city came running. Now, I've had this challenge to me. What would I as a leader, a pastor, church planner, what would I say to my city if I had an opportunity to address my city? Once off, what would I say? And I, I confess at times I would probably say, you see how important the church is for the city. Do you see how important my ministry is? Come on Sunday and I'll tell you what happened. Why? Because that would probably be, be in my heart. What would you say, honestly? If you got to address your city once, would you promote your ministry, yourself, your stuff, ask for an offering? Would you promote him? You know what they did? You think we did this? Whoa, we didn't do this. The one you crucified, Jesus, he's the one who's done this. And they cried out, not how do we join your church? How do we buy into your ministry? What must we do to be saved. By my anointing. 
give me some money and I can tell you the secrets of heaven. Join my movement. Give to me. Are you there? No, no. Repent and be baptized. You think we did this? We didn't do this. Jesus did this. The gospel preached thousands of people added to the church one day. God took over the church, put them in the church, but they presented Jesus. I'm challenged by that. I mean, honest, it's easy to preach that. If I had that moment to, when I planted a redemption city, I honestly thought if I had to address the city, I would tell them there's a church plant happening and you need to be a part of it. Now, let me tell you about Jesus. He did this. See, he does these things so people will see him in his glory. But when he does them through us, we end up taking the glory. We gotta stop. But we need to walk in more power, friends. I do believe that. And, and if you think this is just gonna fit in with what we're doing, it's not. I land with this. But I, I just wanna, I'm, I'm sorry that I haven't read the Bible. I promise you I came to do that. And it's more important than what I have to say. Please go read Acts chapter one. Please go read Acts chapter two. Please go read Mark chapter 16. Please go read John chapter 14. Go read those texts in light of what I'm saying today. And in Mark chapter five of Mark, Mark See, I've grown up in the church and I've grown up in ministry. My dad, as I told you at the beginning of this preach, has always been in ministry and fighting the system. And that. But he's a great leader, my dad. He's an incredible leader. And I know I'm biased, but he is an incredible leader. But my dad was always big on this thing of you need to set course and leaders need to lead. And I get that. And I'm all for that and I'm like that. I now lead the team that he was part of that began. And so I get leadership, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm unapologetic the need for leadership. I, I wanna tell you, we need more leaders in the church. We need more leaders in our nation. We need more leaders to lead. So you need, we need st- leaders to step up. But I also wanna say this, I've been challenged that Jesus knew how to lead, but he also knew how to minister. I don't know if they're the same thing. I used to think they were. See, leaders are about taking people somewhere and we need that. Ministry is about making people someone. Not just somewhere, someone. Healing and whole. We need some wholeness and healers. We need people to be whole and healed, not just going somewhere. God's about both. And Jesus did them both so well. And I'm not sure it's one or the other. It's both. But we so emphasize leadership that we're going somewhere with a whole bunch of broken people. And we're not touching the people around us. And I've always been taught in ministry and in leadership, you're busy because I am busy. Even in COVID, I'm probably more busy on the stupid Zoom calls globally because now I'm fitting around everyone else's time zone. It's, and I'm busy. And so I'm structured. I've got to have structure. It's part of my life. And, and so like I go to places and I'm busy and I go to the gym because I need to get there and I'm like focused, headphones on and I don't want to talk to people. I'm, forgive me, I'm being very honest. Now. I'm busy. I've got a Zoom call in South Africa in about an hour's time. So I've got to get to this thing, work out, do my thing. And then these people start coming and talking to me at the gym and I'm irritated. I'm like, dude, I'm too busy. Just let me finish up here. I've got my headphones. Even if I'm not listening to music, I've got my headphones on so they leave me alone. Because I'm a leader of capacity who leads an international team. And I've got a big job. And I'm irritated by interruptions. Because I'm a leader. I'm just being honest. And then I got something and I began to study the life of my king who I claim I want to be like. And I got really, really impacted and convicted. It would seem the busiest man on the planet 
who had more purpose than any of us and knew what he had to do, allowed interruption. In actual fact, Jesus ministered out of interruption. A lot of what we got in Scripture in the Gospels right now was because people asked him questions. He didn't say, shut up, I'm preaching. Come talk to me after. What must I do to be saved? Boom. What does it mean to be born again? Lazarus, come down. Can you do I mean, And so we got all these great teachings that we quote. They wouldn't have come if people didn't interrupt Jesus. What about the healings? Can I say Jesus didn't have a to-do list? He didn't walk through the day and say, I've got three lepers to heal, one dead to raise, one. Find them and miss everything that's happening. And so people came up to him and bumped him. And the one story, Mark, Mark 5, it, it shattered me. It was like a quintessential of interruption. And so Jesus is heading for the crowds, which leaders should be doing. That's what we told. Play to the crowd. They need you. He's on his way to the crowds. And a man called Jairus comes and he says, Jesus, my daughter's dying. Will you please come and help her? A 12-year-old girl. Come on, there's thousands, there's a whole crowd waiting for me, and a 12-year-old girl needs me. Mm. Get a hold of my secretary. She'll let you know when I'm good to go. We'll try and fit you in. He says, yes, I'll go with you. Ministries, there's a need. Crowds, leaders, people are waiting. He goes. Now, this is already wild to me. I'm like reading this going, God, how can you do that? Jesus, what? He's now headed to the daughter, Jairus' house. 12-year-old girl, he's going to go help. And on the way there, he gets interrupted again. A lady with the issue of blood. She comes by and she, she touches his body. No, she didn't bump him. She reached out to him. Where he stopped and said, who interrupted me? Who touched me? His disciples are like, come on, Jesus. Like, there's a whole lot of people. It could have been anyone. He goes, no, no, no. Someone touched me. Why? Because someone pressed into me. Now, this was an interruption to an interruption. You get in this? Tell me like Jesus and not like interruption. I'm challenged. Like, I want to walk in power. I want to, be a, I want to go and preach. But all these God, and then suddenly these interruptions. I oh, hang on, whoa. Jesus recognized the need. And he stopped and he said, who touched me? And that lady fell to her knees and said, it was me. Remember? She knew. Now listen, in those days they knew when contaminated touched uncontaminated. Uncontaminated became contaminated. She knew that, he knew that, they knew that. So he basically, in fear, she said, it was me. As one who is contaminated, I've now touched you, which would make him, uh, make him contaminated. But let me tell you what happened. There was the reverse flow. When the contaminated touched the uncontaminated, the contaminated became uncontaminated. See, that's power. Oh, Jesus did that. Jesus wants to do that through us. So she's healed. And interesting, she had it for 12 years. And he's on his way to a 12-year-old girl. And then he gets there, and they say, don't worry, the daughter's dead. I mean, I tried. Let me get back to the crowd. So hang on, she's not dead, she's asleep. 
They're like, she's dead. She said, okay, those of you who think she's dead, stay out of the room. You're not interested. Come here. Get up and walk. We go, oh, wow, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, wow. But Jesus allowed interruption. I'm not saying let's be leaderless. I'm not saying let's not have focus. I'm telling you we're busy. But I think sometimes we're missing what God's called us to. We're so focused on leading, we're missing the ministry around us. And this has so, forgive my word, kicked my butt. Because I'm busy. And I'm leading something that is, I think, incredibly significant. But the Lord has shown me in this season of COVID and lockdown and shutdown, where everyone's told us to stay away from people. 2019, avoid uh, negative people. 2020, avoid positive people. 2021, avoid every people, all people. And where am I? Okay, so, so, so like, it's like the devil's got us away from everyone and don't be near. And the Lord's saying, who will touch these people? See, Jesus didn't just be healed. He touched. He had time to connect with the interrupted people. He had time to touch people. I'm telling you, I listened to these people talk yesterday about bringing people into their homes. I'm thinking, gee, how does that work with COVID? I don't know, but we better touch people if we want to see them healed. Are you there? COVID's got us walking. I'm telling you, when COVID hit, I was walking on opposite sides of the street. When people were walking out, I'd be like, don't stand in my way, get over there. And I'd be walking around because I don't want them near me because I'm going to catch something that possibly 20 miles away. I'm not joking. That's the fear. And now, we, now we're trying to like, how do we do this? I don't know. But we better touch people and let them touch us if we're going to bring healing and restoration and demonstration. Because Jesus did that. And we can trust with uncontaminated and contaminated. We can bring His power, but not in our strength, in His power. Hello? Who? All of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you too. So now, these people are open and talking, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just take my headphones off at gym. I'm telling you, it's like having a church meeting. Ask my sons. They're now counseling guys who are in their 90s and 80s who've been lonely, desperate. COVID's shown they're nothing. And now they long for us to come to the gym, and we spend ages hardly working out, as you can tell now, (laughs) talking to these people and realizing this According to Jesus, is as essential as me going to the conferences I'm called to go to and preach to tens of thousands of people. They're equal. So I'm not saying stop that. I'm saying don't neglect this. If we're going to have signs, one is a miracle, it's going to take time. It's going to be interrupted. It's not going to be when we've set time aside. It's going to be generally when we're busy doing God's stuff, where God shows up and says, do this. Touch, transform. Let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes, please. You know, just close your eyes if you wouldn't mind. Now, we're not getting all spiritual. I just, I do. There is a, there's a scripture in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It's probably for me the most sane scripture when it comes to the anointing. I get asked this all the time, what's more important, the word or the spirit? I get all those. I've just come back to, if Jesus did it and had it, that's what we should be. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
and how he went about doing good and bringing healing to all those who were oppressed because God was with him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. I want to say this. It's God who anoints us. Man appoints, but God anoints. And we need the anointing. And I know that's freaky, and I know that sometimes we've blown it out of proportion. We've learned some bad tricks about anointing. For me, the anointing is simply God's enabling, the Holy Spirit's enabling for us to do what He's called us to do. Who doesn't want that? Jesus told His disciples, without that, you can't do what I've called you. Wait for the anointing. I don't believe it's just for a ministry. It's for life. It's for husbands and wives and leaders and business people. There's an anointing. The Holy Spirit's enabling for you and I to do what it is He's called us. It's God who anoints. Are you with me? You need God's anointing. So do I. And you can't have my anointing and I can't have yours. Because it's God who gives us our anointing. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Interesting to say Jesus of heaven. He said, Nazareth. Why is that? Speaking of his humanity. It's humans who God anoints. Gives us hope here today. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit. And power. And how he went about. Notice that he went about doing good. The Holy Spirit is given to us, anointed to do good, not have good, not be good, do good. It's not about us. It's about us being empowered to reach them. Doing good, healing, bringing healing and wholeness to those who are under the oppression of the devil. Friends, our cities are so oppressed by the devil. We've been given the anointing to break it off their lives. I love it says because God was with him. How much evidence is there that God is with us? It's the anointing. I do, do believe there's just a new, a fresh anointing here today. We're not going to make anything happen. But I'd love to just land this and hand back to Steve by just praying for us for a new and a fresh anointing. So I'm going to ask if you're wanting to just stand where you are. And I, I want to just pray. Not give you what I've got, give you what God's already given you. But we need to go from this place filled, refilled, anointed, more anointing, new anointing. Would you just raise your hands? I know this can be weird. I'm not trying to get all weird. I'm just trying to say, get in a way, a posture of receiving. I do believe, even for pastors here today, there was someone saying we should. Pray for the pastors. I want to tell you, pastors, here's your prayer. Lift your hands and receive an ability, an anointing, all of the God-given ability to lead God's people in this time. It's not going to come through podcasts and preaching. Come by the Spirit, the anointing. He has called you an anointed. Businessmen and women, husbands, fathers, wives, all the stuff we called, there is an enabling from the Holy Spirit. I believe that. For us to help us do good. And so we know that we don't tell you, Holy Spirit, to do anything. You tell us you are God. We don't boss you around. You use us. We don't use you. 
We know in Scripture, you said, ask and you'll receive. We know that if we press in, you would send more. I believe most of us in this room have been filled, but we ask this morning for an infilling, a refilling, an enabling of power, spirit of life flowing out from us. Make the blind to see and the lame to walk. Would you come? Anoint us afresh as we yield this morning to the Lord. Spirit, as Lord, there is freedom. So we acknowledge you today that we don't need Pentecost again. We simply need to respond that you're already here. by might not by power but by your spirit would you just come Holy Spirit wash over us today anoint us with the Holy Spirit and with power that we can go about doing good laying hands on the sick Dunamis power. physically ill or need healing this morning, even if it's spiritual, emotional, I don't know. Can I ask you, come to the front. We don't want to make you the focus, but how can we talk about this without giving a moment for this? If you need healing this morning, the rest of us just receive, but just come to the front if you need healing. I just feel like God wants to demonstrate what we've just heard. Let's not make these people our focus. Let's make Him the focus. Let him demonstrate to us. Just receive where you are out there, please. If you have faith this morning and God stirred you, your faith to lay hands on these wonderful people, just come out and pray. But please don't prophesy. Just we're praying for healing, not prophesying and telling them their future. Just healing. Lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Let's just get around them. Keep our eyes on Jesus, right? Thank you, Lord.